with over 50% of Africans living in rural settings and 83% of that rural population living without basic healthcare coverage, there is a need for African countries to extend healthcare access to vulnerable people in remote areas. Many countries have addressed this issue by implementing community health programs centered around the work of community health workers, sometimes called community health assistants. Community health workers are healthcare providers who live in the community they serve and help to bridge the gap between rural populations and the formal healthcare system. Although they receive lower levels of formal education and training than professional healthcare workers such as nurses and doctors, they assume crucial health-promoting roles in the community. They help deliver diagnostic, treatment or clinical care, encourage the uptake of health services, provide psychosocial supports, and assist in disease surveillance. In this episode, we look at Liberia's Community Health Assistant Program, a program that was formed in the wake of the Ebola virus epidemic between 2014 and 2016. The Liberian government's first attempt at community health worker programming came with the 2008 National Policy and Strategy on Community Health Services. But the policy failed to meet its target due to fragmented implementation, lack of financial incentives for community health workers, and little standardized training and supervision. The new National Community Health Assistant Program launched in 2016 was designed to expand healthcare access to rural areas by formally integrating community health workers into the national healthcare delivery scheme. Here I speak with Rustin Yarnko, the National Community Health Systems Director at Last Mile Health in Liberia. My name is T. Rustin Yanko, and I work for Last Mile Health based in Monrovia, Liberia, as the director for the National Community Health Systems Program. And my work is actually centered around providing technical support and engaging the Ministry of Health directly on areas of community health system strengthening. We discuss how the program came to be, how the program works, how Last Mile Health helps the government implement the program and more. As always, my name is Chinamarami Hijirika and this is Where the Health Are We, the podcast about Africa, healthcare and everything in between. All right, good morning and thank you for for joining me on on this episode of Where the Health Are We. So to get us started on like a more surface level, what is the community health assistant program? What was it formed to to accomplish? So um thank you, that's a great question. So the community the National Community Health System program was actually um Kim into being in Liberia in 2016. Before 2016, there was actually community health volunteers that were in Liberia, but they were not organized. They were still fragmented. There were no formal training 
we had partners who were working with these community health volunteers, as they were called at the time, but um, they were not being incentivized, so they were considered as volunteers. The, the training were just sporadic, so they, they did not have specific you know, formal training. They did not have supplies, the basic supplies that they needed to operate and work. Um, they did not have the supplies. And they also didn't, were not supervised at the time. So generally speaking, the program was not regulated. And so when the Ebola epidemic struck the country, there was a need to revisit the, the health system. And one key lesson that we learned as a country during the Ebola epidemic was that we needed to work directly with the community. And we observed that community health workers that were actually in these communities were the people who the community trusted, built the trust and confidence in, and were willing to listen to them. And that was one of the key reasons why we were able to overcome the epidemic. So as a lesson learned from the epidemic, um, Lasma Health led a coalition of partners and engaged the Ministry of Health, highlighting the need of leveraging on a more organized, structured community health program to use it as a basic fabric of the health system. And in 2016, based on that, the Ministry of Health um, collaborated with this coalition of partners and was able to bring to birth this program that we call the National Community Health Assistance Program. And the difference between the current program and the one that existed is that the current program now have um, community health workers that are being trained, that are initially recruited by the community. The community health workers are trained, they are being supervised, they have been salaried, that is incentivized. They, they have the biggest supplies that they need to work and report. And so the system now is more structured and organized and the program has proven to be one of the most effective when it comes to reaching people in distant communities and addressing health issues. Hmm. So from, um, from everything you said now, I think why make out is that the difference between what exists now and what existed before is that what exists now is a lot more formalized than what existed before. Um, and which means that it's also embedded within the framework of the Ministry of Health. Um, and if it's embedded within the Ministry of Health, the Liberian Ministry of Health, um, what part does Last Mile Health play um, in, in the program? What exactly does Last Mile Health do? So last my health has been viewed by the ministry and other partners as one of the lead technical partners to the Ministry of Health. Not only that, um, the National Community Health Program, before it was birthed in 2016, that last my health was able to showcase to the ministry um, lesson learned from a pilot that was implemented in Southeastern Liberia, and lesson learned from the implementation of that pilot that um, inform the restructuring, the rebranding, and the formalization of the program. But Last My Health has consistently supported the Ministry of Health in the area of community health system strengthening. 
And some of those key pieces that they have actually been involved with has been one, um, being able to mobilize, support the Ministry of Health to mobilize resources to continuously maintain and sustain the community health program. To also support the ministry to lead um, a coalition of partners on um, not only just identifying resources, but also making sure that the program is implemented across the country consistently and in line with standards. We also have continued to support the ministry when it comes to the development of policies, strategies that inform the, the program. And one of it is um, developing the National Community Health Policy in 2016 and strategy, and recently supporting the ministry to revise the policy and strategy and ensure that lesson learned from the policy and strategy from the implementation of the program has been incorporated in the revised policy and strategy. Um, one, one key piece um, from last month have work that they do is the fact that they are more concerned about the long-term sustainability of the program and, and not generating funding for the organization. And so they support the ministry to see how um, once they can identify resources out there that are available for community help, how the ministry can be able to unlock those resources and access them and be able to use the funding effectively, efficiently to support um, the community health program and not necessarily to channel the funding through Last My Health. And so from that perspective, the Ministry of Health has seen Last My Health um, as not only just a technical partner, but also a top partner that we can have an open, honest conversation when it comes to community health initiative in Liberia. Hmm. So how is the um, community health program structured currently? And, you know, what I mean by this is, you know, what are the, who are the different health personnel that are staffed at the different levels um, of the program and what do they do? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. So the community health program is currently structured in, in, in alignment with the national health system. So one, one key thing we try to highlight is that the community health system is not a parallel system. It's an integral part of the overall health system. And so um, in Liberia, we have been able to work with the government to ensure that the community health system is one of the tire of the health system. So in Liberia, we call it the fourth tire. So we have the, the national level, the, the county level, the district level, and then we have the community level health system. So it's, it's considered as one of the tire of the health system. And that include obviously the training of community health workers. So community health workers are recruited, like we said initially, they are recruited and they are also trained in four modes because they are obviously expected to provide quality health services at the community level. So they are trained in four different models. The, the first model is all around, speaks to community engagement efforts, it speaks to surveillance, community event-based surveillance. The, the second model speaks around reproductive health, reproductive maternal health. So in that model, um, is a highlighting issue around family planning and other reproductive health issues. 
The third model, which is one of the biggest models that focuses on child health and the management of childhood diseases. Um, that is the model that prepared the CHAs on how to provide a quality treatment as well as uh, managing childhood illnesses. And, and, and that piece is critical because um, most of the, the, the death, childhood mortality, or what we call um, unknown child mortality, comes from four key diseases. That is malaria, pneumonia, malnutrition, and, and um, yes, so that's malaria, uh, diarrhea, uh, pneumonia, and malnutrition. So those are the four childhood diseases that lead to child mortality. So that model tends to address that, um, preparing the CHA on how to treat um, children on a five that comes with those diseases. And the, the CHAs, after the training, are deployed in a community, and they are being supervised by clinicians. And so um, the clinicians are called community health services supervisors. So these are former clinicians that are based at health facilities that supervise um, the, CH, the CHEs that the community health assistant are based in communities. And they support them also making sure that they have the requisite supplies, the requisite equipment, and they are being supervised at least twice a month to be able to collect real-time data to inform the, the, the bigger health system. So the, the, the community health assistant in those rural communities, um, one key piece of the work is that they refer patients to the health facility. So they serve as a bridge between the community members and the health facility. Mm. So um, just to touch on that last point, um, where you mentioned you know, community health workers serving as a bridge, um, I think, I think, you know, many people listening might, un might understand what that means because primary care ultimately is the patient's entryway into the healthcare system. And it's the point at which the patient can then seek other forms of specialized care, perhaps. Um, so my question is, you know, if the community health worker is the bridge and they refer patients to health facilities, um, are there structures that exist to to enable patients to actually follow up on care. Yeah, and thank you. That is a great um, question. So one of the one of the success story behind the community health program introduction in Liberia is the issue of trust. So community members um, trust their neighbors who are providing care in the form of community health assistance more than um, strangers who come from health facilities, distant health facilities into the community. And so the issue about follow-up care, um, the community health program has been, have, have been very efficient in that because neighbors who are community health assistants that are next door um, do what we call routine household visits. So as key part of the work, they visit these households on a daily basis to check on patients, to make sure that um, those who were referred actually visited the health facility. And one way to validate that is through what we call the referral and counter referral system. The CHA provides a, a referral note and give it to the patient doing the referral and they are expected to take it to the facility. The clinician that is based at the facility 
is expected to manage this patient and provide a counter-referral note clearly outlining what the patient needs to do. When the patient returns to the community, the community health assistant is expected to visit the patient, review the counter-referral notes, and, and provide that support to the patient to ensure that they follow the, the, what is stated in the counter-referral note. For example, in the case of tuberculosis, so patients who have tuberculosis are referred to the health facility and are placed on um, TB medications. And those medications are normally given at the health facility through what is called uh, clinically DOT, that is direct observation therapy. So the, those medications are actually intended to be administered in the presence of clinicians. Now that the, 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 the committee members may not be able to walk for nine hours, eight hours or more to the nearest health facility every time for those um, medications, the CHA comes in and makes sure that the patients are taking those medications as prescribed by the clinician. So providing that um, direct observation uh, modality to the patient right in the community. So that, that is, that is um, just an example of the kind of key role that the CHA play. Um, just to drop in another example quickly um, and also being respectful of the audience time is the fact that immunization, so getting children to take them to, to, to the health facility to get vaccinated is also key because um, most rural, uh, uh, in Liberia, most of the rural population are not literate enough to understand the importance of the health facility, health, health uh, interventions. So they may not take immunization as fighter as seeking um, care if the child has malaria. So since they've not seen the children sick, um, they will not value immunization as compared to uh, seeking uh, direct treatment. And so the role of the CHA in this case is to review the immunization um, booklet of the, of the child from the mother to a hospital visit and ensure that the, the, care, the, the caretaker of the child are here to the immunization schedule by taking the child to the health facility routinely for immunization. Hmm. So I want to ask a question now about um, accountability. Um, I know that um, the transition from the old system to the new system um, incentivized, you know, the work that community health workers do um, a lot more through the compensation that's given. Um, and I think, you know, I'm sure you would agree that that helps a lot with, with community health worker retention. Right. Um, but then ultimately, you know, the goal is to have community health workers delivering quality care. And for that to happen, uh, there needs to be some level of accountability, um, some way that, um, that, um, community health workers are monitored to ensure that, they, you know, they're actually taking care of the needs of the population that they've been assigned to serve. Um, so what does that accountability piece look like in the, in the context of the um, community health assistance program, and how is um, what structures exist to ensure that you know community health workers are actually delivering quality care? Thank you. Um, that's a great question, and I can clearly say that um, not only as Lasma Health, but as um, implementing partners in like Bureau Community Health Program, 
we all are deeply um, committed to these principles of accountability and quality of care. And that that leads to the issue around in in a very place why the community health services supervisors was a key part of the revised community health structure. And these clinicians um, visit the, com the community health assistant routinely to be able to make sure that um, the medications and the, the supplies that they receive are being tracked and make sure that the care that are being provided by the CHE is of the highest possible quality. And so the CHSS are clinicians, um, they are nurses, they are midwives, they are physician assistants. So they have, um, they, are the, 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 they have equal qualifications as though other clinicians are based at the health facilities. So these clinician goes um, to the CHA, supervise them and make sure that, uh, and just verify the services they are providing. And not only just verify, but also, also provide on-site mentoring and coaching. One way by which we also ensure that is through the monitoring evaluation process, and that is done through forms. And so we have the, the monthly um, uh, reporting forms for the community health assistants. So these monthly reporting forms are, are forms that provided data on um, the usage of commodities, um, the services that have been provided by the CHEs, and how they are providing these services. And the community health services supervisor, who are the clinicians that are supervising these CHEs, visit a CHE at least twice a month, that means every two weeks. And during these visits, they check the ledgers, the stocks of our ledger, they check the service provision ledger, and make sure that the services are provided by the CHE aligns with the training and continue to provide routine mentorship. But also, in addition to that, there is um, something called the quality metric study. So the quality metric study is um, last month I have conducted routinely in the Manish County to, to measure the quality of services that the CHEs are providing. And so that also helped to inform um, the, the CHSS and program implementers on the level of quality of services that have been provided and how we can redesign programmatic intervention to consistently improve and maintain high quality service. Um, we also have another one called the quality care assessment. So there's a more routine assessment that is conducted by quality assurance officers in Lasma Health Managed Counties um, to, to measure the quality of services that um, these, these uh, CHEs are providing. Now, one, one, one feedback that came, one innovation that came out of this uh, quality care assessment was the introduction of digital tools, that um, digital videos that could aid, be used as job aid for CHEs and help them to learn um, some, uh, uh, some of those interventions that they need to. So there were videos, digital videos as job aids that were deployed on digital devices provided to CHEs. And the CHEs, um, when trying to assess or trying to treat a child, and if they, they cannot remember the exact um, type of treatment, they can also reference the video, and the video shows the step-by-step -step process that they need to follow 
when it comes to managing some conditions. So those are ways by which we try to monitor as well as maintain the quality of service at the community level. So another thing I wanted to talk about was, um, I know that as it stands, a lot of the, you know, the CHA program is is being implemented in in rural areas. Um, you know, so by early 2020, for instance, the CHA program covered about 80% of all communities outside a five kilometer radius of a health facility in about 14 counties. And most of these, you know, most of the areas covered were rural areas. Um, but I think you would agree that um, even within urban areas, there is still, there's still restricted access to, to basic healthcare services. And there are still people, there's still women, children who, who need the healthcare services that the, the um, community health system program provides. Um, and in, in light of that, is there anything being done to, to kind of expand the program to to reach those people in urban areas who might not be able to access basic basic healthcare services, um, I know you mentioned you know a revision of the previous health policy. You know, is that something that's going to to form from the basis of that policy? That policy. Yeah, thank you. That's a great question, and uh, yeah, that is um, some of the lesson learned from the twenty sixteen implementation. So um, the, the concept behind um, the introduction of the community health assistance program in being more or like prescriptive or restrictive to communities beyond five kilometers was where we thought that um, health services were people who were denied basic health services, and that um, like geographically even in Liberia, people in those rural remote communities are not only just denied basic health services but also basic social services like electricity, uh, communication facility, like water. So it goes beyond just basic health services. So it's the just basic uh, uh, social services. And so even though we still believe that um, we still have work to do in areas beyond five kilometers to be able to strengthen and ensure that those services, um, people who are in the distant communities still require in between those services are getting to them. The revised policy has uh, sought to address the concern of people within five kilometers, that in within urban and semi-urban communities. Yes, yes. So, and that revision has been informed by a pilot that was conducted and supported um, by PIH in one of like the rural remote counties called Maryland. And that pilot, that pilot was conducted, and that the revised policy now um, has been renamed instead of the National Community Health Assistance Program, is now the National Community Health Program. So the National Community Health Program now has a single policy. So the policy is the National Community Health Program with two strategies. One strategy is strategy for addressing health issues within five kilometers, and another strategy addresses health issues beyond five kilometers. So the strategy that addresses community health issues within five kilometers will be focuses on what we call community health promoters. 
and those who address issues around beyond 5 kilometers will be called community health assistance. So yes, um, that has already been placed in a new policy. But it's still in the policy phase. The implementation is a different thing because it requires funding. We still have not been able to like fully secure full long-term funding for all counties, like you said, for all counties across the country and being able to meet the, the health needs for people beyond five kilometers in all 15 counties. So um, we, we still have that uh, completed secure funding for those areas and yet have not even begin to secure funding within five kilometers. But at least the policy is now available and just in case um, we can be able to identify funding for those areas as well. Hmm. I, I think that's a very good transition to to the next question, which is about funding, right? Um, I know that the community health assistance program in Liberia is is predominantly donor funded, um, and I feel like with donor funding, there are lots of things that come into play. One being the priorities often rest on what the donors want, uh, and also the funding is also very it could it could end at any time it expires at any time um so i was curious to know what you know you think about the funding of the program you know has it been sufficient and at least to your own knowledge is there like is there like an ideal way you know for the program to be funded something that would ensure you know sustainability one but also something that would ensure that you know the needs are actually met and, you know, the things that are done, the things that are implemented aren't, you know, things that the donor, so, aren't things that solely the donor wants. Um, so like something like the urban, um, the urban community health assistance program, something like that, for instance, is there, is there a way to fund, you know, the program such that things like that are, are possible and, you know, we can actually implement things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, that is one of our key in our current strategy as last my health. Um, we just had a new five-year strategy. And health financing, community health financing is one of our key um, like deliverable target in that strategy. And because the current uh, community health program, like you said, is highly, highly donor dependent. 98% now, the 8.5% of the total cost of the program is for don from donor. So the Liberian government currently contributes 1.5%. And the 1.5% is actually around the cost, salary cost for between 17 to 19 CHAs that are on government payroll. CHSS, sorry, CHSS, that is community health services supervisors that are on government payroll. So this, um, so this are, uh, Pull the attention of um, not only just donors and partners, but even the government like you. So with support from partners and donors, we were able to call an advocacy meeting at, um, the, at the Ministry of Health recently. And that meeting brought together donors, partners, the legislature, the national legislature, and other um, politicians to discuss the need of highlighting community health in the national budget. And that call was, was welcomed by the legislature 
And they w- we show the numbers. We show the percentage of donor uh, uh, um, donor commitment and, and how much donor has been putting into the program. And if government will have to take ownership and lead, like you said, um, is is vital that government um, take ownership of the program. We also highlighted that we are cognizant that this is not a day a year job. It's a multi year process, but it must start with with government start to show its own commitment towards initial investment. And through a phased approach, government um, contribution to the program can increase while donor um, contribution decreases over a period of time. And because we also we also showcase um, one clear example of what happened in the Southeast region of Liberia, where one donor was supporting the program and due to some funding issue abruptly ended. And that led uh, into a, a, a serious um, um, issue. So we needed now to regovernize, bring back together um, to the table um, the coalition of partners and other donors to see how we all could now chime in and restructure our approach to, to supporting the other counties. So the government uh, heard that and have accepted. The process has started. Um, there have been multiple advocacy meetings and, and, and engagement with key stakeholders. We are not there yet, but they are encouraging signs that the government is open and they have to, the political will. So we have been able to garner the political will from key stakeholders um, to be able to at least um, include community health as part of the next um, annual budget year. The, the funding would, would not be um, a huge one, but it will be something that we can start up on. And, and one of the key points is that currently in the country, we have 485 uh, community health services supervisors who are already clinicians. So um, we the advocacy is the government of Liberia should be able to include all of them on government payroll. And that would now show, demonstrate the government commitment towards now taking ownership of the program, as well as the government also like basic uh, commodities supplies, um, like drug supplies to the community health worker now become the next phase um, for taking ownership of Hmm. Um, so now I want to talk a bit about, um, you know, drugs and different supplies that community health workers need to, to take care of their communities in the way that they have been charged to. Um, I think, I'm sure you'd, you'd, you'd agree on this, that a lot of, you know, the ability to get these drugs and these supplies to community health workers relies on, you know, different supply chain. Um, components and logistic components. Um, and I know that in different parts of Nigeria and Africa, I'm from Nigeria. So like I know in Nigeria, that's a problem too. And also during the pandemic, that was also a problem for many African countries. Is that a problem in the context of the community health program in Liberia? Is there anything that Last Mile Health does to, to help implement, you know, some of these, um, logistics pieces? Yeah, thank you. That's a great question. Um, it's not only just a problem, but one of the greatest challenges the community health worker, the community health uh, program faces in like your supply chain. And we have been having conversations um, 
on designing strategies and ways by which we can address the issues about supply chain. And the supply chain, like you said, um, even before the pandemic, it was still a challenge. Uh, the pandemic um, intensified and brought to bear um, the challenges with the supply chain and and how the system struggled to cope with, with, with that. The last my health um, has been working with the ministry to see how um, the issues of, around supply chain could be addressed. Some of the ways by which we have been able to do that has been one to support uh, the government of Liberia to include um, the need, the supply chain need of the community health program in the overall country supply chain through quantification um, and procurement of commodities. And so we have been able to successfully include the, the list of the essential commodities for the community health program in the overall uh, national uh, supply chain, called the master supply chain list. So that has been successful from the, the side of the community health program. But it, it goes beyond just the inclusion on the list. It goes beyond the availability of funding to procure these commodities. So being able to get the funding that will be able to um, available funding to procure the commodities because currently most of the commodities are procured by donors. So to be able to um, governize the funding from the government side to procure the commodities is another key piece. Another piece we also observe is the issue around um, inventory management, um, logistics to move the commodities to the communities, um, the issue around stock storage, uh, storage management, uh, having storage, the requisite storage space to keep the commodities, um, the, the issue around commodity security. So there, there are a lot of variables around supply chain that um, needs to be addressed to be able to ensure that uh, we move the clock in an visible clock in the pipeline to get the, the commodities to the, the communities. And so last my health has been trying to engage in um, national level technical assistance to the Ministry of Health through policy development policies guidelines to address some of these clubs, but also have been engaged in direct um, pilot activities to be able to showcase to the ministry that, okay, we are piloting these um, supply chain innovations in our county, and we're going to showcase to the government that this is possible if it works. These are the successes, these are the challenges and lessons learned, and how can we scale it up across the country? So currently, last my health is procuring commodities for the three counties that we work in. So we are working in three of Liberia 15 counties. Um, so currently, those are the only three counties where um, partner um, implementing partners procure medication directly for the community health program. So what we are doing is that we are collecting lessons learned from that in intervention and showcasing to the government of Liberia what are the challenges. Um, but what are the lessons learned if you provide commodities consistently to the CHEs? How has it impacted the National Community Health Assistance Program? And one, one, one innovation that is being uh, piloted is an innovation called the kitting system. So I, I just talked about the issue about um, integration. So we are definitely integrating the community health program, supply chain, and all of the system into the overall system. But um, as these commodities lead the national level to the sub-national level, 
to the communities, there are always hitchups. So um, since the commodity, most of the time the commodity gets stuck at the facility level because the facility uh, currently makes a decision on the quantity of commodities that goes to the community. So most of the facilities itself doesn't have like a lot sufficient commodities. So they try to retain more of the commodities and send very uh, small amount to the community. So one innovation um, that we been piloting is what we call the kitting system. How can we kit or package community specific commodities from the central level or from the county level strictly to the CHD? So um, on the package, you have CHD 01 and all of his commodities that his need is in that pack. It goes directly to him via the health facility rather um, than giving the facility the leverage or the decision-making authority to decide how much quantity of commodity to send to the CHA. So these are all um, means by which we try to, to address that. And like I said to you earlier, the issue around advocacy, continuing to advocate the government um, to continue to increase the contribution by adding some money in the budget for national community health system program supply chain commodities. So before we close out here, um, I just have one question about, um, I think we can all agree that the program for the most part has been a success. Um, you think about the percentage of uh, children with childhood illnesses who are cared for by qualified professionals that has increased significantly. Um, the oral rehydration therapy and malaria rapid diagnostic tests are more are administered more today than they were before the implementation of the program. And I think all these things speak to, you know, the impact that this is having. Um, so in your, in your time working with Last Mile Health, what do you think has been the most crucial parts of the program that has enabled its success? Yeah, thank you. That's a good question. And there's a lot. Um, because the National Community Health Assistance Program has demonstrated that it is the greatest platform to use if you want to increase access and utilization of health services. I think a lot of people restrict the community health program to only increasing access. I think it goes beyond that. I think it is also about utilization of services. And in as much as the program has increased access, and that is um, ensuring that medications, as drugs are available um, in communities, in remote communities, and people can access them. Um, the ORI services that um, depended on facility-led ORI services are now like more tied to our communities, and you, you don't need to pull health workers from health facilities now to do like one once a month or or uh, just a short-term return to the communities to provide our services, or rather have uh, community-based health workers that continue to provide these services. It has, has proven very, very effective and efficient. And the numbers have shown by seeing a decline in uh, uh, number of childhood diseases uh, that you pointed, you alluded to, but also increasing number of referrals so it shows how the people are like utilizing health facilities uh, more um, since the introduction of the community health program. 
Additionally, the issue around the service provision is one thing, but um, the billing of the trust for community members to utilize those services are another key piece. And I'll give you an example of um, contraceptive. Uh, one contraceptive called Cyanopress. So the government of Liberia introduced Cyanopress and they made it available. So there was increasing access to Cyanopress, but the utilization rate um, was, was, was another thing. So one thing that really supported utilization was that the Cyanopress became available in communities. The women trusted the CHEs, were able to go to the CHEs, and the CHE were able to talk to them, encourage them to take up the Cyanopress, to take up Cyanopress. So that increased not just the access to contraceptive communities, but also the utilization rate of contraceptive communities. So the, the National Community Health Assistance Program has, has uh, done a lot of tremendous work around increasing access to services and also increasing utilization of services. I uh, highlighted another example around immunization, for example, which is key because during the, the pandemic, um, one key thing that, that, that struck was that um, there was misconception, rumors and misconception, misinformation around the COVID-19 vaccine. And there were a lot of uh, resistance that people thought that the routine immunization were actually COVID vaccines. So people stopped accessing health facilities because they thought that you get to the health facility, you will be inoculated with COVID vaccine. Now, that's where the community health assistants and community health workers came in, able to tell out the message to the community health workers, um, inform them about the importance of the vaccine. But most importantly, we were able to get about 90 to 98% of community health workers in Liberia vaccinated with the COVID vaccine. And that sent a message to community members. And community members was like, okay, if our community health assistance took this vaccine, COVID vaccine, then it means that we it's safe enough for us to take it as well. And the community health assistance were able to draw a line between COVID-19 vaccine as well as routine vaccination and encourage mothers to take their children to the health facility for routine immunization. So it, it, it shows the National Community Health Program has, has led efforts on how not only just to, to increase access to services, but utilization of those services that for years that we have struggled to get people to take them up. We have now seen that people willing to take up the services because the neighbors next to have been able to communicate in a language, in a form that we, the health workers could not and have not been able to do. All right. So to close this out here, um, what is your dream for for the community health assistant program, and and how do you think you know, considering where the program is now, how do you think you can you can get to that that dream? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I like that. My dream is to see a government-led, government-owned, sustainable national community health assistance program that is driven by the government and owned by every member of the Liberian community. 
And I think we can get there. And the way by which I think we can get there is through communicating the importance, showing evidence, showing the numbers of the impact of the program over the years. Like I said at the top of this conversation, the evidence from community health workers intervention during Ebola was what breathed the program. So the evidence from community health worker intervention during COVID, the evidence from community health workers intervention in reducing childhood mortality, the evidence from community health workers in increasing access and utilization of health services in remote communities, the evidence of community health workers in providing and sharing data, access to data, the evidence from community health workers when it comes to surveillance and identifying diseases and preventing possible outbreaks or pandemics, those are the evidence that we need to continue to present to the global community. The evidence we need to continue to present to government and other stakeholders that this program has, has a very key role it has played a very key role in improving our health system. Everyone, irrespective of your level in society, lives within your community. Everyone. And beginning from the community, that's the fabric of our health system. So beginning from the community and strengthening health system at that level is our greatest shot in achieving universal health coverage. And I definitely believe that if government can begin investment from the foundation, from the, the basic fabric of the health system moving upward, we are definitely on the right trajectory of achieving our greatest dream, which is universal health coverage. All right. Thank you very much again, again, Rusting, for creating the time. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for, for tuning into another episode of Where the Health Are We? Um, and I really just want to emphasize that thank you um today i checked the anchor you know and i saw that the podcast has 500 plays across all 10 episodes um and while in the grand scheme of things that's not like a huge number i i really think that's that's very you know exciting for me you know because there's a lot of work that goes into creating each episode and you know, I'm happy that people are listening um, and I just hope that, you know, you are finding the episodes insightful and, you know, you're kind of learning more about the healthcare, different healthcare topics and the ways different health healthcare challenges are being solved on the continents. Um, so big thank you to everyone who tunes in. Um, and I would also admit that, you know, I haven't been as consistent as I, as I should um, for different reasons. Um, but that's 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 the next frontier. That's the thing I'm trying to work on, trying to make sure that I put out episodes um, on a more regular basis. Um, and you know, just thank you so much again for for listening, for tuning in. Um, and I will I will see you next time.